0: Hello and welcome to the Kitty Talks podcast. I'm your host, Kitty Waters, serial entrepreneur, success and business coach, and I'm the co-creator of the Network for Transformational Leaders. Each week, I interview top thought leaders who are changing the world. This podcast will show you how to build a life in alignment with your soul. This podcast is sponsored by my Do Your Dharma program. This seven-week online program will help you let go of anything holding you back and unlock your greatest potential. We've now had over 80 women and three very evolved men go through the program with incredible results. The next time I'm launching my program will be May next year, 2020. And at the moment, there is an early bird program price of 395 pounds that will go up to 595 pounds in april so if you're interested in joining us go to www.doyourdharma.co.uk now without further ado i will see you on the other side Welcome to this week's episode of Kitty Talks. This week, I've got a gentleman called David Wood, who's actually been on the podcast before. An incredible human being. He's a world top class coach. He had the world's largest coaching business, becoming number one on Google for life coaching. He came on the podcast, must be at least a year ago now. And he and I had a really deep, beautiful conversation about how we all need to play for real in our lives. And this conversation is no different. We talk about how to have difficult conversations. Now, that might sound strange, but actually, if we can have difficult conversations, it can change the way we relate to people. We feel seen, we feel heard, and we absolutely feel connected to that individual. So listen in and hear how you can have the difficult conversations you need in your life. So hello and welcome to the Kitty Talks podcast. Today I have with me a repeating guest. This is a first for Kitty Talks. I don't think we've ever actually had anybody. Anybody, David, back on the show? <laughs> um, David Wood built the largest coaching business, becoming number one on Google for life coaching, and he served huge audiences worldwide. He now coaches very high-performing leaders to play their best game. And his assistant reached out to me and said, he wants to come and talk on your show about difficult conversations and... I just tuned into it and I just know how much I love this man and I so enjoyed our conversation the first time around that it was just a no-brainer for me to have him back on the show. So David, welcome back to Kitty Talks.
1: Thank you, Kitty. I feel honoured. I didn't know that about repeat guests. You should. So I'm feeling very (laughs) special.
0: You should and you are very special. So I'm excited for you. Let's catch the audience up. So say they missed the, the podcast the first time round. Would you mind just sharing yeah. a little bit, a bit about who you are and your incredible journey?
1: Great. Well, you know, when you said that, I was thinking let's catch them up on what we talked about. But mm. I don't know if there's a lot of difference between the topic and me, hopefully. We talked about playing for real. And if life is a game, how do you play the best game you can in life and work? And specifically, we talked about increasing levels of truth, daring, and caring as a way to live a regret-free life. And I've tried to do that. That's been my life. I started life as a consulting actuary, which meant I was really into numbers and statistics and probability and consulted to some big companies like Sony Music, Ford, Exxon, Procter & Gamble in New York. And I left that because I realized I was great at systems. I was good at using my left brain, but because of a tragedy in my youth, I'd shut down the emotional side. So I've spent the last 20 years reclaiming that and rebalancing, we could say, so that I, because I didn't know how to connect with people. Mm -hmm. I could talk to them and I could put on a good show, but I didn't know how to be vulnerable the way you and I were, Kitty, Mm. in this intro, before we even started this, Mm. we I shared something, you shared something. I didn't know how to do that. Mm. So now I I consider myself the bridge between left brain results oriented thinking, which is super valuable, and emotional intelligence and personal growth, which is where I think we get the best stuff, including deep connection, Mm. which is what I think life is ultimately all about.
0: Mm. And that's so difficult to believe now, because I think that was one of the things that really drew me to you. The last time we spoke was that we could go so deep so quick. Um, and, of mm. course, as human beings, you know, we are so conditioned to look good that generally we aren't authentic and we aren't vulnerable because that would kind of mess up our looking good.
1: Yes, that's right. And and uh, just to cap off the, the background so people have a rounder context. I've been coaching for 20 years. Uh, I'm a motivational speaker. I have a, um, I wrote a book, which, which feels like, like, like a past life for me now. And, um, and I love coaching people to up-level their life and business so that on their deathbed, they can say, I gave it everything.
0: Mm. And you now work with pretty high profile individuals and top performers, don't you, from what I understand?
1: I do. I'm now working with CEOs, um, executive directors, people at manager level. I'm also working with individual contributors and even prison inmates now. Mm. So I'm doing quite a,
0: quite quite a spectrum. Yeah. And how did you get into coaching prison inmates?
1: I was, I've always been fascinated by prisons, prison movies. And I heard of someone who was teaching dance five rhythms dance in prisons and i just i couldn't really imagine how that worked and i wanted to be part of it but the dance wasn't really my thing and then i heard of a woman who was doing authentic relating in prison and teaching a course called the art of being human and i said to my my new friend who told me about it can i get in on that is there any way you can introduce me so i was introduced and uh, we hit it off and I went along and assisted in a two-day training program. And now I've co-led four training programs in prison. And the last one, I was the lead course leader. So it's been a really fast wow, yeah. uh, dive into this. I, the, the training program they were doing, I hadn't actually taken myself, but I've been around for 20 years and a lot of it overlaps. So I'm like, I just love this authentic relating. And um, I'm taking two months off now because uh, I've got some health issues and it's quite intense to go into a prison and have mm-hmm. those doors slam behind you and, and be wow. with the inmates for two days. And it's rewarding because they they've they've been so grateful that we're willing to come and spend time with them. And to train them in the skills that they need. Actually, I think all all of us need them, but they need them when they get out specifically, so that they can uh, get a job, of
0: course, so that yeah. they can
1: keep their family together, so that they cannot relapse, come back to prison. But people have asked me, what's the difference between CEOs and prison inmates when you're teaching about tough conversations and playing for real? You know, the overlap is incredible. Because we're human, mm. and so in the boardroom, you're probably not going to have someone say, no. "Hey, bitch <laughs> as a as a call out to a fight, but they'll say it differently, you know they 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 might might have different words to challenge you in a boardroom um, so
0: and there's I'm, so many like diversities to that as well, like I think you know one of the things that I always find is different countries and different nationalities would do things differently as well so we always have a laugh in our organization the network because we've got icelandics and we've got british and you know obviously the way the british speak is very different to how the Icelandics speak they're very direct so if they have something to say if they want to have a difficult conversation they would have a difficult conversation whereas if you're british you would very much skirt around the issue and imply you wouldn't be direct and of course right
1: yeah <laughs> i've heard that about the (laughs) Brits.
0: so talk to me about this work because it sounds incredible so i know you were saying right at the beginning of the podcast that you were essentially in the beginning balancing your left and right brain you know you were looking to develop your emotional intelligence and i think that's a, a fantastic thing for any man to do um and that may sound a bit sexist but obviously it's 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 more difficult i think for men to be more open and vulnerable it's changing it's getting better it's you know harder for them to get in touch with their feminine side um but i think it's incredible what you were doing because obviously that's how we relate to people that is how we really really have heartfelt connections is by totally being open and honest and authentic um so tell us a bit more about this prison work because I think it's really fascinating the stuff that you're doing
1: well what would you like to know about the prison work I I I kind of had a had a a thread when you asked that when you started with the lead-up and then you went to prisons and I was like whoa (laughs) I'm not sure what you'd like to know
0: well I think let's have let's open this topic about difficult conversations because I think that could be a real value to the guys listening because we all have to have difficult conversations in our life, but the tendency I would imagine for every human being is to avoid having those conversations
1: yes, so we that i i like I like and I think I want to challenge that statement and agree with it at the same time we do have to have difficult conversations in our life. I don't know that there's a way to avoid all of them. So we might as well get really good at it because sometimes they're a train wreck, but um, we're mostly avoiding a lot of conversations and I'm, I'm more interested in that. So the ones that we all, we, we kind of have to have anyway, like our boss confronts us, and we have to say it or our partner confronts us with something and we just can't get out of it. I'm not, I'm not that worried about those because you can't really get out of those. You're going to have those anyway. And I want everybody to have all of their difficult conversations, but it's the ones you're avoiding. So for, for example, let's suppose you um, let's take relationships and most of us have secrets in relationships that we're carrying around so as an extreme example when I when I was 18 I cheated on my first serious girlfriend now I I just not built to be able to hold on to secrets I don't like it I hate it so I told her the next day it was a horrible experience but I repaired it uh, and ended up marrying that woman
0: mm.
1: so well, but that's an that's an job <laughs> Yeah, thank you. I, I actually hired a tuxedo and um, took a six hour train ride with a tuxedo and it holding a dozen roses to go up to apologize to her. And I was so sorry. But a lot of people, um, whether they cheated or let's say they just kissed somebody one night and they're like, ah, oh, look, there's no point bringing that up with my partner these are some of the, that's an example of a difficult conversation Mm. that I think a lot of people would avoid because they don't want to feel icky. They, they say they don't want their partner to feel upset, but it's really because that's going to have them feel uncomfortable. And there's a risk. There's a, and we might get into that a little later, if you like about the things that we risk in in this case, our partner uh, might yell Mm. at us, might embarrass us, and might break up with us. Absolutely. So that's, that's one example of a difficult conversation that we avoid. Another one, there might be some behavior. I, you know, there's something that I've been holding back, telling my assistant, she comes to my house and does amazing work. And she's trying to get everything done. And sometimes she's not leaving until seven o'clock at night. And I want, I want to be done by six. I want the house back to my back to myself. And I've just I held off for a week saying this because I didn't want her to feel offended and like to her to feel like she's um, intruding and I want her to know she's appreciated. And I just held off and finally I said it yesterday, hey, by the way, and I found a way to say it. How there, did you feel? There, pardon?
0: How did you feel?
1: Um, for me, it was fairly neutral because we it was in context, we were talking about some other things and it was via text. And I said, hey, would it be okay if we wrapped up by by this time so I can have the house back? And I use part of the technology that I teach, which is try and get their world. Try and step into their shoes before Mm. you do it. And I was imagining she's just trying to get everything done. Mm. And I'm giving her this long list of stuff. So I said, I realized, I, get, I took responsibility. I said, I give you so much stuff to do. I know it's not all possible. Can you finish by six and we'll just prioritize when you get here and work out what, what can't be done. So I think it ended up going quite easily. Uh, but the, I, I created a top 10 list for relationships and a top 10 list for work because there are so many things that we hold on to and don't share um, for many reasons one because we don't want to feel uncomfortable
0: Mm, absolutely and i think you know i see this a lot in the program that i run where people come through and we right at the beginning say to people this is a level three space so that means we don't talk about the weather we don't talk about the surface level stuff we go right in about truth around what is happening for us and Uh you often It's good. You often find people have to warm up to it, a bit like the lady in the bathroom (laughs) that you described, Um, because people aren't used to being open and authentic about how they're feeling. Um, Right. But once the layers come off, it's so worthwhile.
1: That's true. And I like that you said level three. In the training we're doing in the prisons and in in, uh, the corporate space, we, well, I'll say the organizational space, because we've also done it for the Department of Corrections staff, is we talk about three levels of of relating. And the first level is informational, as you say, about the weather. The second level is personal. It's, It's this is what I care about. And that can be a great level of conversation. And the third level is now. We call the third level relational. The third level is now. It's not about... Two weeks ago, it's not about what are your plans for the weekend. It's like right now, sitting with you, I notice I feel happy to be with you, Kitty. Me too. It's right now. when you And we started this before we started recording, I think you said, how are you? And I didn't answer from the past. I stopped and I checked in and I took like 20 seconds to work out how I was. That's level three. Uh, as we teach it
0: moment to moment
1: yeah and it's it's advanced and humans it's so alien to to what we're used to and how i grew up my parents never never would have said what are you feeling in your body right now mm. that was a question i was never asked so i didn't know no and, so- and now at the age of 51 now I'm 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 still reclaiming that like how do I feel right now and how do I feel being with you and how do I feel that you said that? What what happens over here instead of just all the left brain activity?
0: Yeah, it's true, absolutely, because that's really being in the moment, isn't it? It's really absorbing and increasing your awareness and I think when we go into that place and that state, we see things that we never saw before because we're totally present we're totally in the moment
1: yes it's being in the moment and then another level of this is being in the body mm. as well so I'm here I'm with you and I can feel my body I can feel I'm aware of some slight tension between my shoulder blades I notice you just moved your head, you're going to loosen that up a little bit um that's, that's kind of being super relational, uber relational when you're with someone, but also with yourself.
0: So somebody's listening to this and this whole concept of really level three is new to them. How would you explain the benefits? So say they wanted to go out in the world and practice this with their friends. Why should they do that?
1: First thing that came to me is you you have more influence with people. And i Dale Carnegie's book, How to Win Friends and Influence People, was hugely popular. Who doesn't want to have more influence? We've all got to sell something in our life, even if it's selling our skills or selling ourselves internally at work. Um, we want to influence our kids. We want to influence our partners. If our friend is not doing well in life, we might want to influence them to do something well for themselves. And you're going to have more influence if you're more relational, if you're more connected. So I know you didn't ask this, but where my mind goes now to is, is, is some of the mechanics of, of, of being relational, but you didn't ask. So let's, let's, let's see if I can hold on that. Um, when you can be more connected and be more relational with someone, they're going to want to be around you more. And, and you're going to have more influence. The other answer that comes to me is I believe we all want deep connection. I know I do. Mm. I spend half my time running from it and half my time running towards it. Mm. And I know we want deep connection because just look at the, the, our favorite movies, look at the most popular movies of all time. They're about vulnerability. They're about love. They're about deep connection. And on our deathbed, The cliche is no one says, I wish I'd spent more time at the office. What it's about, um, I I imagine for myself on my deathbed, and I've had some near-death experiences, is did I tell people the truth? Did I love, did I share with people how much I love them? And was I able to receive their love in return? And this gets us to being... uh, relational reason number two so we can feel connected
0: Hmm.
1: so influence a connection are two reasons and i bet we'll come up with more
0: Mm, absolutely yeah and i think i was just reflecting when you were talking like um i actually feel more alive like when i'm talking to a human being around you know really in-depth life stuff you know it makes me not only feel really connected to them but I just for some reason it, I can't I can't go back. Like I've been obviously like yourself done a lot of work on myself and I, I can't do weather conversations. I literally struggle if I go to the the tennis club or the gym or something where everyone talks about washing machines and new kitchens and I really struggle. So I don't either tend to put myself in those situations or I tend to chuck a bomb in.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um what what I would suggest for people uh, but let's say you're listening to, to someone and you, your eyes are glazing over, right? Or you just, you're just feeling bored or you want to go somewhere else. Something you can do is take it to level two, which is the personal, and just just find out what they care about. Mm-hmm. Um, I was talking to a friend, catch up after a year of not talking, and she's telling me about her B&B, Airbnb tenant and telling me this story about her Airbnb tenant's life. And I realized I, I didn't want to be on the phone for more than half an hour. So I said, hey, can I interrupt for a moment? I, I realized we've only got limited time for this call and I want to know more about you. Tell me what's going on in your life. What are you loving? What do you care about? It sounds like you're passionate about the Airbnb business. What do you love about that? So I br- tried to bring it back to her and it got more interesting for me straight away. Mm. And that's, that's a- more relational. Mm. for me then hearing about you know she's just in her mind and in her world telling me about this tenant and it's like it just wasn't doing it for me Mm. so let's bring it back to her and what she cares about and then
0: so so it's going going up to go down almost so in this I'm, I've, I have a picture in my mind, one, two, three, level one, level two, level three, and if someone's operating at maybe at level one, you can bring them down to level two, and then hopefully from there, maybe you can bring them down to level three
1: Yeah, well, exactly <clears throat> if we 're really going to break this down, I could go to level three to share exactly what 's happening with me in the moment I, just, I went to level three to say um you know, I notice I have, I have limited time. I have about half an hour for this call. I have some other things I want to do. And I really want to hear about you right now. That's Mm. level three. That's now. And then I invited her to go to level two.
0: Mm,
1: Yeah. I like, I like how you, I like how you called that out.
0: Mm. No, that's very clever, actually. Really, really clever. I'll remember that because it's, you're being totally in the moment and totally authentic and you know, calling that out in her to be the same way.
1: Yeah. And I'm seeing now uh, a bridge between this and the tough conversations. So um, there are a couple of things I want to mention about being relational at level three, and then we can relate, if you like, to the tough conversations. Mm. So one thing we're doing at, level, at, at my level three is we're revealing our own experience. Firstly, we've got to re- reveal it to ourselves. Oh, hey, I'm bored right now. What's going on? Oh, I don't want to hear about this Airbnb tenant and I've got limited time. I've got to realize that. Mm. So we reveal our experience to ourselves and then we're at choice. Do I want to reveal it to the other person? And that in itself, we could call that a tough conversation. Someone's on the phone mattering on about something we don't want to hear about. How do you broach that? Mm. So we could say we broach it by going to level three and, and I, I reveal it to myself and then I reveal it to her and then, I make, and then I make a request. That would be one of the linchpins to me of being more relational and being at level three. What am I feeling right now? And then am I willing to be vulnerable enough to share that?
0: But I really like the way you did it. So I think for people listening, this is a really good tool that they can take away because you basically say, look, I really want to get to know you and I really want to hear about you. And that's just beautiful, isn't it? If someone says that to you, you're like, oh, okay. That's a nice thing that you said there. It's a great bridge.
1: Yeah. Now what I did, I, I applied a little bit of artistry. So you know, the tough, the tougher version of the conversation might be the rawer version before you apply the artistry. And that's, that's going to happen. You know, when you're, when you're not good at tough conversations, and most of us aren't, we're going to fumble through it. And it's going to be a little tougher. Later on, you can skip some steps. So the raw version of that might've been, Hey, um, Jenny, can I, can I interrupt for a moment and share with you something I'm noticing? And then I might share, I noticed that um, this isn't really drawing me, this story about the Airbnb tenant. And I notice I, I'm starting to feel a bit antsy and contracted in my body. I'm tensing up a little bit. And I think it's because I want to know about you. So, you know, that would be the Rora uh, following the steps version Mm -hmm. of being related. And then who knows, maybe Jenny's got some feelings about that. You know, so I might ask, how would that be for you? If, um, would you tell me about you and how is it to hear that, that I, that I don't want to hear about the Airbnb tenant, right? And now I'm checking in, which is another step we teach, checking for impact. How is that for you? So I've revealed my experience. Now I want to know her experience of hearing that And we can ping pong pong back and forth indefinitely. This is truly being relational. How is that for you? Well, David, hearing that, I feel a little embarrassed that I was going on about that story. And like, maybe I'm I'm just not tuned in. And I would like to talk about myself. So I'm kind of glad you asked me about that. Uh, And then I might be like, well, hearing that, I'm glad I brought it up and I I didn't want to shame you. So I wish I'd said it a bit more artfully. You know, this can go, and we do, I got to say, when we geek out in the groups here in Boulder, we go back and forth and we share what's happening in the moment. In fact, there's a group called T-Group. We get together and we'll split into groups of six. And for 45 minutes, this is all we can do. We can't talk about anything longer than 30 seconds old. It's what's wow. happening now and how I'm feeling and how I'm feeling relating to that or noticing you looking at me, my breath just got tight and I'm, my thought is I wonder if I'm supposed to do something or look a certain way and I notice I do want to connect with you and I feel a bit nervous in this moment. We go back and forth for 45 minutes. It's, yeah, wow. it's intense.
0: Yeah. And, and how does that? leave people how do they what's their takeaway from that
1: different states I mean I've 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 been to it and I've been bored and sometimes people say that I notice I'm bored I'm wanting something to happen um I had one recently my last one I was worried about doing it because I'd felt so tired with the health issue I've been having and I didn't know if I could even participate and I was hosting it at my house So I'd set aside a room in case I needed to go and just lay down. And we ended up laying down in the cold out on the balcony. Someone brought a mattress with her, threw it out on the balcony, threw some blankets down and some pillows, and six of us squeezed on that mattress and laid down and had this tea group. And I found that I'd been laughing so much and we were so honest and it was like an advanced group. Um, even out of this advanced practice. These were people who'd done it for a while and we were just zinging each other. And by the end of it, I felt so lit up and loved and loving and connected and all the oxytocins flooding through my body. My limbic system is totally happy. And I, I just thought I need to do this at least once a week.
0: Wow. Beautiful. Yeah. And, it, and it's so rare, isn't it? But it's so endearing when you when people are just so, like, you, you know, say for example somebody's public speaking and they mess it up, you know, just by saying, oh, my God, I totally messed this up and I'm totally not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And, you know, that just makes people love you <laughs> because yeah. you're like normal. That's the irony.
1: That's the irony. So <laughs> that's, a, that's an example of a, of a type of tough conversation is a confession. I screwed up. I messed up. And on stage is a great place to do it. Anywhere is a great place to do it. But we layer so much in our head oh, they're going to think this about me, and I'm not going to be invited back. And my partner's going to break up with me. My boss is going to fire me. Story, story, but, story. <laughs> yeah. And some of these things could be true. They could happen. But usually when someone is vulnerable and says, hey, I screwed up. I did mm-hmm. this. I realize now a better way to do it. And I commit to doing it that way from now on. Yeah. In my experience, people react to that really well. They may have a reaction. They may be upset, but stick, stick with them. Mm. Um, So now, now we're kind of getting, well, Mm. we talked about the profit. Like why would we talked about why would people want to be relational at Mm. level three? I think it might be the same answer. Why would they want to have a tough conversation? The answers I have, um, yes, there's more connection. So that was one of the answers before. And I did say you'll have more influence, but another couple of answers are you can generate results, external results. If you have a tough conversation with someone at work, you could generate a better working relationship with them. You could generate enjoying your job more. You could generate your boss giving you the project that you've been wanting for two years. Mm. You could generate a promotion or a raise. You could generate more sex with your partner or better sex. You can generate external results. So that's one clear reason coming from my left brain that you would want to lean into and get good at tough conversations. But another reason I've identified is the pure joy of feeling self-expressed. When I was uh, in school, I've, I've, I've identified two areas where I was definitely not expressed around bullies. Mm. I just backed down every single time. I It would have hurt less to be punched in the face than to back down every single time is my story. Mm. So I felt very unexpressed around bullies and around girls. I didn't know how to talk to them at all. And I found later in life, as I go and face those areas where I'm scared to speak up and I actually use my voice, I like myself more. Mm. Self-expression in and of itself is is a value I have and and I want it for the world. So if you do go to your partner and you say, I'm nervous to talk to you about this and I'm going to do it anyway, regardless of the external result, I suggest the internal result is going to be something worth pursuing and worth cultivating for yourself so Mm. that you become someone who speaks up, someone whose voice matters.
0: Mm. Yeah, and I'm thinking about all the, the other benefits to it as well because as humans we shut down, like we shut down our thoughts, we shut down our emotions, and then, of course, all that negativity that we carry around causes us to be ill you know i really think where you know i see it a lot in the dharma program where people start to clear out their backlog of stuff that they've been carrying around whether it be what they felt their parents thought about them in childhood or um some trauma that they've gone through you know it literally energetically lightens us up and i think we get quite used to just pushing this stuff away and just saying, well, I'll deal with that later. And then, you know, four years later, you still haven't looked at it because it's too painful.
1: Yes. I just got this image of, of um, us walking around and as kids, we're just free and, 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 you know, we say everything and then we learn not to speak up and to keep it to ourselves and particularly the things where we have shame. And we don't want anyone to know. And and what happens if we start getting heavier as it sits on our neck and our shoulders, and then there's something else and we don't speak up. Oh, uh, that's just my relative. She's always like that. She bugs me. I'd rather she didn't come to the reunion, but I'm not going to say anything. We get a little heavier. And then we do something. Um, I don't know. I stole something when I was a kid. I stole something from a shop, right? I don't tell anybody, I get a little heavier from that. At college, mm-hmm. I vandalized the school sign. We went and stole the school sign. Okay, now I get a little heavier because I'm not speaking up and clearing. And finally, we're we scrunched down until we're like two feet tall and bent over energetically. But we mm-hmm. don't notice because everyone else is the same and it's happened over time and it's just become our normal. Mm-hmm. Well, in one of the programs we did, for prison staff, a woman spoke something. She hadn't spoken in 20 years to a fellow participant. And she said, my shoulders feel lighter. Mm. They're up here now. Mm. Absolutely. Just from saying that. Mm. So lean into your tough conversations. First, write them down. Mm. And I have an exercise, if you like, that, that people can... Uh, start to identify the tough conversations because the mind will hide them from you sweep yeah, them out of the carpet identify them lean into them go and stumble through them you might you know some of them you'll do badly but usually you get a second shot it's not like it's a one shot deal you can go back and say i realize what i wish i'd said now and you can take a second shot and a third shot at it
0: yeah and i think like you know going back to what we were saying about cleaning up our energetic systems i think we're we're literally purging You know, if you think about it from a... I I do believe that everything is energy and we are energy. And those difficult conversations that we're failing to have are blocking our system. You know, so the more we have those difficult conversations or the more that we talk about truth or we heal the stuff that we've been holding on to... Like you're talking to a woman, David, who was depressed for 10 years, like chronic depression, because of exactly what you said. I had so much stuff that I refused to tell anyone because I was ashamed of and I bottled it up and I held on to it and it could have been emotional stuff or it could have been things I'd done and that trapped me in a box (laughs) and kept me really quite severely depressed for about 10 years you know best training ever for what I do now (laughs) um but yeah it's very powerful to have the type of conversations that you're talking about
1: yeah it's a it's a game changer I say the The tough conversations we haven't had form the boundaries of our world. Mm. It actually shapes and creates the limits of our reality. But then the tough conversations we do have become the defining moments of our careers, our relationships, and our lives.
0: Mm. I'm going to make me cry. (sighs) this is a podcast but this is also recorded (laughs) so if you're listening on the podcast i just had a moment
1: (laughs) yeah there's there's crying happening right now
0: (laughs) there's definitely welling up (laughs) i think you did this to me last time i had you on my show
1: that might be why you had me back
0: maybe unconsciously (laughs) Oh, and is this your new book or did I dream that? Is this something that you're.
1: I think it will be. I think it will be. People have been, um,
0: is one podcast powerful? host,
1: one host has been almost chasing me saying, you've got to write a book on play for real that like, the world needs this book, but it was so vague. Like I love play for real, but it's kind of, I couldn't get my head mm. around. Like, what would I write about? Mm. Um, I could write about truth, daring, and caring, but tough conversations. Now that's a meaty topic I can get into, which tough conversations happen to take a lot of truth, daring, and caring. Mm. So, yeah, I think, I think the book's definitely going to come, but I don't, I don't have one
0: mm. right
1: now on this.
0: Well, I would recommend stories and case studies of people who have done it. And had those difficult conversations because that's so fascinating, I think, is for humans to read the benefit and what happened after they had this difficult conversation because then you can yes. go through to the other side and you can go, ha that's potentially what could happen. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So how can people find out more? Like, this has been a fascinating conversation. You know, how can they find out and go deeper on this topic with you?
1: Thank you. My website is playforreal.life. And uh, a couple of different options for for listeners. You can download the four step tough conversations blueprint for free at playforreal.life. If something resonated in this conversation and you're interested to find out if you qualify for a free discovery session with me, then click on request a session on the website. And the other thing I'm so excited about, and I haven't even told you about Kitty, is. I'm up for transforming cultures within companies and teams. And a new service that I've just launched is just-in-time coaching. So you don't have a coach like every week, but the whole company can book a session with a coach as soon as same day if they have a tough conversation they're not sure how to have. And we role play the conversation. They go back out into the workforce and they have it powerfully. I'm creating an army of leaders basically. So if you're interested in that, if you manage a team or a company, then click on just in time tough conversations coaching. And I'd love to talk with you about this. I think this is going to, I think this really could literally change the world.
0: Mm, Beautiful. And are you training coaches in that method as well?
1: Not yet. I've got I've got a group of coaches already. So we could probably handle about a thousand employees. Right now, wow. um, and then I'm really excited to train to train more as uh, as this expands i that'll be a good problem to have that I have to go and train a thousand coaches
0: absolutely. Oh David, thank you so much as ever. Just a beautiful groundbreaking authentic emotional conversation <laughs> uh, and a request actually the, the the sheet that you talked about that we could may potentially give to our listeners around. The prompts about how to have difficult conversations that would be amazing if you don't mind.
1: Yeah, for sure. Play for real dot life. Um, there's a big big si- um, sign up bar there where you can put in your name and email and get this. plus there's a worksheet. There's a worksheet so you can prep for the conversation, and then there's four steps on how to have it. it can be a total game changer. Oh, and I did mention the exercise. Simple exercise, Mm. get a pen and paper, Mm -hmm. write down the people in your life that you don't feel a hundred percent with, write down next to them what's the issue. There's your tough conversation.
0: Okay, interesting. Each
1: one of those is a is a tough conversation. And it may not be as tough as you think.
0: Absolutely. David thank you so much and we will have all your details in the show notes so people can find you connect with you and obviously we'll put the links in there too so thank you so much and uh, you never know we might have you back again
1: <laughs> my pleasure kitty and i'm i'm noticing in this moment how much i like you how much i like <laughs> and enjoy you and my energy is way up from where i started and i say that's your fault so thank
0: good. you good good we will see you next week with another amazing guest on kitty talks bye bye David Wood, what a beautiful, beautiful human being. Really, really gorgeous. Just wow. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. I really, really did. And the exercise that he talked about was writing down everybody who you feel you're out of relation with who you need to have a difficult conversation with and then going and talking to them and I can tell you that after his this episode I went and had a difficult conversation and yeah I feel a lot better thank you so much for listening to the kitty talks podcast I do hope you've enjoyed this solo cast or this guest this week I try and interview the most amazing people so you guys can really get some insight into how you can build amazing lives in alignment with your soul. If you haven't already, come over and follow me on Instagram, Kitty underscore Talks, and I'm also on Facebook, and we have a free Facebook community, so why not come and join us?